Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. All right. Are you excited to be here this morning? You know, the last several weeks, Pastor Don has taken us through the Song of Solomon and through the different seasons of King Solomon and uh, Shulamite's journey, you know, their love story. And so I thought it would be fun this morning to show you some pictures of our love story. Um, So they have one for us this morning. The first one is our engagement picture. Aww. The next one's our wedding picture. Not a whole lot of season had passed at this point, but look how young we look. <laughs> it's too fun. Now the next one is after both of the girls had been born and you can see that we both have some baby weight that we need to get off of us still. What's the next one? Oh, this one's my most all-time favorite family picture ever. This one was taken not long after Pastor Don and I became the pastors here, but that one's too cute. The next one. Oh, this one says so much about our life at home, if you only knew. Um, this one was a few years ago with some friends. We went to California and um, somebody tried to take over our vacation. Um, okay, um, the next one, and I, I think we have one more, don't we? Oh yeah, um, that's our most recent one that was taken, I think last year or maybe a little bit longer, but um, that one's our most recent, too fun. I just thought that would be fun to show Um, this morning. In between services, I had a ton of people say, aww. So now before we begin this series or before we begin to read and learn about Song of Solomon, I'm sure there were not a whole lot of highlighted areas in this book of your Bible. I know that this book can seem kind of racy. It's like the Danielle Steele version of the Old Testament. It's also very passionate. It's very exciting. It's very enticing. And because of that, I've done some research and I found that some people, there's actually a lot of people that believe that this story is just a metaphor, that this story is about a guy and a girl and you should apply it to your marriage. And that's a part of the story, but the good part, actually the better part or the best part, which is why I chose to go a little deeper this morning is because it is a true story about us and Jesus. What's interesting to me is that this story actually happened. It's not just a metaphor. It's a story about Solomon. For those of you that remember, he was the third king of Israel. And then there really was a woman that was the love of his life named Shulamite. There really was a King Solomon and there really was a Shulamite. It's historical. But the whole part of the story and the application to us today is that we are the bride of Christ and Jesus is our bridegroom. He truly is the lover of our soul. Now I'm gonna go over these scriptures that Pastor Don has already read and taught us about. And I really felt the leading of the Lord to go deeper and share some things from my point of view or just how I see them this morning. And I really have struggled with this because Pastor Don has already taught this. And so why would I need to reread the same scriptures or to say the same information? But I really just felt impressed to do so. So let's begin and look at the story that we have almost every um, Sunday through this series. And the story really begins in chapter one, verse two. And there are several voices that we'll hear from this morning. One of the voices being Shulamites. Now she's the leading lady of the story and her voice loosely represents us as the bride. 
And then there's King Solomon's voice and he's the third king of Israel and he's the bridegroom and his voice loosely represents Jesus, the divine bridegroom. And then there's a few times that God will speak over the union. But um, again, let's start with, it starts with Shulamite's voice and which represents us. So Song of Solomon chapter one, verse two says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfume. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. Now, for those of you that have studied this or even somewhat paid attention the last few weeks, you know that this means I'm very, very into you. Basically, Shulamite is saying, I'm into you. Let's be together because I'm so into you. You know, when I first read this or heard about this, it didn't set well with me because when I grew up or how I grew up or possibly just where I grew up, I was taught that girls didn't chase boys. My mom said that if you pursued a boyfriend, you'd be pursuing him for the rest of your life. They pursue, you respond. They pursue, you respond. That's just the way that I was taught. So the first time I read it, I thought she seems very, very aggressive. She's saying, I would love to make out with you. I would love to be with you. She's very blunt and leaves no room for misunderstanding. Now, if you're a female here in this room this morning, it would not be in your best interest to be this forward or this aggressive with a guy. However, if you look at this scene metaphorically and you put it in the context of our God, that changes everything. The whole point of this poetry, the whole point of this love story is that you launch yourself towards Jesus. You throw yourself at Jesus. You run hard towards him and you say, Jesus, I want to be in an intimate love relationship with you. That's the whole point of the story. Jesus delights when his children run to him. Now, right after Shulamite confesses that she has this huge crush on Solomon, something happens and she starts to back up. It's almost like something made her want to take her words back. Now, my guess and my opinion is that somebody whispered something ugly. Maybe a friend said, what are you thinking? He's the king of Israel. He could have any girl he wants. What are you thinking, Shulamite? You're just a regular girl. What are you thinking to tell the king of Israel that you have a crush on him? You can just tell immediately that after honestly confessing, I'm into you, Solomon, she starts hearing the whispers that say, girl, you better back up and you better rethink everything that you've said. You know, the enemy is the father of lies and the enemy throughout your whole entire life will whisper lies to you. And if you study his strategy in scripture, he's not omniscient, he doesn't know everything, but he knows just enough to season his lies with just enough truth that will swallow the toxin and will swallow the poison. You know, he never says to me, Jessamy, you are so slow to speak, you're so lazy, you're so unorganized, and you never get anything done. He never says those things to me because he knows if, I, if he does say those, I would tell him, you know what? You're a big, fat, fat liar. I could see that lie a mile away. Those aren't my weaknesses. But when he whispers things to me like, you know what? You never cook dinner anymore. You're always so bossy. 
And don't forget, you failed all of your public speaking classes in school. So really, what kind of wife can you be to Don anyways? There's no way you can be the helpmate that he truly needs you to be. I swallow lies like that. I think, oh man, that's right. What do I have to offer? What do I know? I never went to college. I do hardly ever cook dinner because I feel so busy. And man, I always feel like I come across bossy. What do I have to offer him? I swallow lies that are seasoned with just a little bit of truth. I swallow lies like that. And I bet there are many of you sitting here today that could say the same thing. And that's what's happened here to Shulamite. She confesses to Solomon, I would love to be in a relationship with you. Then I believe someone whispers something and she swallows the toxin and she starts to back up and she immediately takes her words back. You know what church, we need to surround ourselves with people who have our backs and have our best interest in mind. We need to get to where we're not afraid to be truly honest with one another. We have to be able to build a strong line of defense before the enemy attacks. And if we can't be honest with what's going on in our lives with the body of Christ that God's put around us, then shame on us because who can we truly be honest with then? We need to be a church where people feel like they can be themselves here. You know, we all need good friends in our lives. And if you're here this morning and you feel like you don't have any, then I dare say, where are you serving? Who are you serving with? What life group are you a part of? That's the best place to find friends that can come alongside of you and can help you when you start hearing the whispers of life. You know, you may think you don't have time for that, but let me tell you, there may just come a day that your life depends on it because we all will find ourselves in situations where we're down and we need somebody that can stand next to us and lift us up or hold our arms up or be there to strengthen and encourage us. We're called to do life together, not to celebrate each other's sins or hard times, but to celebrate our redemption and the great forgiveness that God has for us and the great future that he has for us. Reading on, Shulamite begins to back up and in verse five, she basically reverses her confession and she says, dark am I yet lovely, daughters of Jerusalem. Dark like the tents of Kedar, like the tent curtains of, of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I am dark, because I am darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyard. My own vineyard I had to neglect. So what she's saying to Solomon is, I'm so sorry. I misspoke. I get it. You have a very thick little black book filled with names and there's no reason whatsoever that you would be interested in a woman like me. I'm not even upper middle class. My parents live in the country. My brothers made me work in the field. I'm so very dark. I can't tell you the last time I had my nails done. I'm just a regular girl and you could have any girl you wanted. So please forgive me for being so forward, King Solomon. I understand that there's no way a man like you would be interested in a girl like me. Please, please forgive me for misspeaking. Now, I don't know if any of you watched the movie with Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant, Notting Hill. I'm not condoning the movie, but there is a scene in that movie where Julia Roberts is basically playing a version of herself and she's fallen in love with Hugh Grant. And as she approaches this man that she has a crush on, she confesses to him that she's interested in him. And towards the end of the movie, he basically says, thanks, 
but no thanks. He's not interested. And then there's this pause and she begins to back up. And she says, don't forget, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy hoping to be loved. And in that scene, I'm just a girl hoping someone will love me. I dare say there are many of us here this morning that feel the same way, male or female. I'm just standing here as me, hoping somebody will love me. All I can offer you is me, but I'm hoping that you'll love me in return. Now, there are those of us that have been married and we can relate to the romantic undertones of that movie, but every single one of us, married or unmarried, as God's children can identify with desperately wanting to be loved by people in our lives that don't reciprocate that love. It may have been a mom or a dad. It may be a mother-in-law or a father-in-law. It may be a husband. It may be a wife. But so many of us have stood with our hearts open, bare before the person that we love, and they don't love us back. I feel that's exactly what's going on here in this story. Shulamite has confessed that she has a crush on Solomon. And as she backs up, she just knows he's gonna say, oh goodness, you're right. I do have a very thick little black book. And I'm not interested in you romantically, but I do have a cousin that just got out of prison that I'd love to introduce you to. Guys, she's totally expecting him to say thanks, but no thanks, which is what so many of us will think will happen if we move closer to Jesus. I think so many of us, because of the situations or the issues that we've gone through in life, we think that if we move closer to Jesus, that he will reject us, that he won't be interested in us. So what do we do? We slowly back up. We slowly start to step away. And instead of running towards him, we turn and we run in the opposite direction away from him. You know, a lot of you don't know my story, but I grew up, um, I became a Christian as a young child and I grew up in a church very much like this one. And as a young girl, I understood that God delivered me. I just didn't think that he liked me very much. I knew that he cared about me. I just didn't know that he celebrated me. I knew that he delivered me. I just didn't believe that he delighted in me. I knew that he saved me. I just didn't think that he sang over me. You know, Zephaniah 3.17 says, the Lord your God is living and among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with great gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears and he will rejoice over you with a joyful song. You know, there's a huge difference between knowing God saved you and knowing he sings over you. We will not be the men and women that God has called us to be or do the things that God has called us to do until we get the fact that God sings over us. God sings over you. God celebrates us. And this morning, God is celebrating you. You know, Shulamite didn't know how Solomon felt at this point in the story. And so she starts backtracking. She says, I'm so sorry for misspeaking. And then he responds. And this is the first time that we hear the bridegroom speak in verse eight. And it says, if you do not know, oh, most beautiful of women, 
Follow the tracks of the sheep and graze your young goats by the tents of the shepherd. I liken you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses. Your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Now, I know some of you can get lost with the whole horse comparison. He's not saying that she looks like a horse. That's not exactly something men that women want to hear. But Solomon was a horse guy. And so like guys do today, he's comparing her to something he likes or something he finds very beautiful. That's what Solomon's doing. He's into horses and he's saying, girl, you are more beautiful than the most beautiful of horses. He's basically trying to put into words how he feels about her. And now at this point, she gets that he's saying, I reciprocate that love. I reciprocate those feelings. I'm into you also because her next response for those of us that grew up in church is probably one of the only scriptures from Song of Solomon that we know. And it's in chapter two, verse four. And he says, let me lead you to the banqueting table for his banner over me is love. So what she's saying is, oh my goodness. He's into me also. He loves me also. Now there's another movie and I can't remember the name of it and I'm by no means condoning it either, but it has Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie in it. And in the movie, there's this scene where Angelina is driving a car behind Brad. And at this point in the movie, it's obvious that they're headed for a divorce, which makes Brad very nostalgic. And he starts remembering the past. They're talking back and forth on their Bluetooth and Brad looks in the rear view mirror at his wife that's following him. And he says, I remember the first time I met you. And his face fills with longing. He says, I remember it like Christmas morning. He's trying to woo her here or romance her. And that's what's happening here in the story. And can I tell you family this morning, it's good to go back to the point of reminiscing about your love. It's good to take time and remember the past. Let me be honest with you for a minute. You see, don't think for one second that our lives are any different than yours. Don't think that because Pastor Don and I can get up and share on a love song um, a series or a series on love and marriage that ours is roses and butterflies. Let me tell you this morning, the last six weeks has been very, very difficult for the two of us. And the reason that is, is because you know what? The enemy doesn't want us up here sharing about this topic. The enemy doesn't want you to hear about Song of Solomon. The enemy doesn't want you to hear about the relationship that you can have with the heavenly father. The enemy doesn't want your marriage or your relationship changed. But we face the same issues that y'all do. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves of the love that we have for each other. We have to plan date nights. Really, he has to plan date nights. <laughs> we have to do things to keep the love burning in our relationship. You know what, church, if you're here this morning, you need to date your spouse. Whether you've been married eight months, eight years, 18 years, or 80 years, you need to take time to invest in them. You need to make a constant effort to invest in your marriages. If you're single here this morning, you need to date yourself and you need to get into God's word so that when God brings that person across your path, you're ready for them. 
For the sake of time, I'm gonna skip over to chapter four. And here they are at the point in their love relationship where they're getting married. And this is a real wedding. It's a royal wedding. It's like Prince Charles and Diana's. For the younger crowd, it's like Prince William and Kate's. It's a royal wedding. Shulamite is standing on the top of a hill and King Solomon comes up the hill and he stands next to her. And there are thousands of well-wishers all around because again, it's a royal wedding. And he turns to her and he speaks vows to her in front of everyone, vows that are so amazing. He turns to her, this regular girl. She wasn't royalty, she was just like you and me. He turns to this regular girl and he He says in chapter four, verse one. Now, if you weren't here the the Sunday that Pastor Don taught on this, he breaks it all down and goes into a whole lot more detail. So you're gonna wanna get that message or watch it online. But for time's sake, I'm not gonna do all that he did. So chapter four, verse one, he says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from the hills of Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn coming up from the washing. Each has its twin, not one of them is alone. Your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Your temples behind your veil are like the halves of pomegranates. Your neck is like the tower of David and on it hang a thousand shields. Your breasts are like two fawn, like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. Until the day breaks and the shadow flees. I will go to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of incense. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Descend from the crest of Amana, from the tops of Shinir, the summit of Haran, from the lion's den and the mountain haunts the leopards. Now stay with me now because the most powerful voice, vo- verse in this whole love song, in the whole Song of Solomon is chapter 4, Verse nine, Solomon says to this woman, his new bride in front of everybody, y'all, he says, you have stolen my heart, my bride. You have stolen my heart. With one glance of your eyes, you have captured my heart. With one jewel of your necklace. He says with one glance, with one glance of your eyes, you've captured my heart. You've captured my heart. That's the divine bridegroom speaking to us. He's saying with one glance, you captured my holy heart. You know, everything we need to have an amazing, intimate love relationship with God is found in this book. It's a love story. We have to understand that God loves us. It isn't about what we need to do to make God proud of us. He's already proud of you. He's already in to you. You've already captured his heart. The king of kings is enamored with you. He didn't just save you, he celebrates you. He sings a love song over you. He's not mad at you, he's mad about you. And there's a huge, huge difference. You know, if I go back and I look at Song of Solomon as a love story between two people, I can easily see how the King of Kings celebrated me in helping me write my own love story. Remember when I said earlier that I, um, that we all probably can relate to Julia Roberts standing there hoping someone will love us. I can relate to that very much. 
You know, I shared the clip from the other movie hesitantly because it's not rated well and I I know that. Um, But honestly, it just touched me and moved me so personally that I felt like I had to get past the fear and concern that someone would be offended and just reference it. Because when I thought back, and I remembered the first time I saw my beloved, I can remember it like it was yesterday. The Lord's played it over and over so vividly in my mind the last few weeks. I was living at home and I had gotten in trouble for being late for curfew. And so my car was taken away. And I was having to go to church with my parents. My parents were coming here to Tree of Life and my brother and I were going to a church in San Antonio that we had been involved in for many years. It was a Sunday morning at Tree of Life back when it was on the loop in the old campus. And I was sitting in the left section about halfway back on the third seat from the aisle next to my parents. The service hadn't started yet and for some reason I just looked over my shoulder towards the back of the sanctuary. And I saw him walk in and something in my heart changed that very instant. And I knew it. He captured my heart. Now a few weeks go by and I'm still having to come to church here with my parents. And my parents made me go on a ski trip that Tree was hosting. And on that ski trip, I was skiing with Don and some of his friends one day and we had taken a break and we were eating lunch in the ski lodge and Don was sitting across from me. And I've never had this happen to me before that moment and it hasn't ever happened since that moment. But I heard a voice so loud that I literally turned around to see who was talking and no one was there. So when I turned back and I looked across the table, this is what I heard. He's who I have for you. You can stay on the path that you're on and you can have a good life, but not the great life that I have in store for you. Such a vivid picture to me. But I think that God knew there would be times that I would need to hold on to a word from him. There would be times that I would wonder where that great life that he promised was. There would be times that I would feel unloved and unappreciated. He knew that the world would get the best of me or us at times. And I would need a word from him to remind me that he has good plans for me and for us. That he has a great future and a hope for me and for us. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And in those days when you cry out and pray, I will listen and, I will f- and you will find me right next to you when you seek me with all of your heart. Jeremiah 29, 11, 12, and 13. My favorite add-on scriptures. You know, I think people today are tired of playing church and, and I'm tired of people feeling like that they're going to church so they have to put on their pretty clothes and they have to put on their pretty face when everything around them is falling apart and they feel like dying inside. Their world is falling apart of ra- around them yet they have to act like they have it all together. 
You know, this church should be a hospital, like a hospital full of hurting people that can come and meet with the true and living God that loves them, that died for them, so they don't have to feel like they're dying inside. And so they don't have to hurt anymore. There are people sitting all around you today with issues that concern them. There are people next to you with issues that they're hurting over. People with problems that don't know how they're gonna make it past today or make it through their problem. Like the man that's asking God to continue to help him be the God, the man that God wants him to be. Like the person asking God to help them leave the past in the past and move on from here. Like the woman praying for God to help her not to sink into a black hole. Like the man asking for strength mentally and physically to go forward from this point. There are hurting people all around us this morning. So I've asked God so many times over the last several weeks, why? Why do I feel like you're asking me to share during this series on this topic? I truly feel like there's no need for me to share today because everything I've said and shared today, Pastor Don's already shared. I've struggled with how dumb will I look when I get up there and go over the same scriptures he's already went over. Talk about the same things that he's already talked about. Why, God? Why? Why do I feel like you have this burning desire inside of me? He's told me so loud so many times over the last several weeks, Jessamy, as much as you've needed to know lately that I'm in love with you, I'm madly in love with them. As much as you felt like lady, lately you've needed my help, I'm here to help them. Jessamy, there will be husbands and wives. There will be mothers and fathers. There will be sisters and brothers. There will be sons and there will be daughters that will be sitting there Sunday morning and they don't believe that. They don't believe that I died for them. They don't believe that I care about them. They don't understand. You see, we have to understand that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father and he's talking about you. He's talking about me. You see, we have to understand that Jesus is sitting next to the Father and he's looking at the Father and he's saying, you know what? I love my Jessamy. I love my Don. I love my Jennifer. I love my David. He's sitting next to the Father and he's saying, I love my Paul. I love my Mike. He says, with one glance, I love my Lisa. With one glance, I love my Stephen. With one glance, I love my Melissa. With one glance from that girl. With one glance from that guy, you captured his heart. You know, that's the hard part. The hard part is believing that a perfect God can be absolutely in love with someone like me or someone like you. You may be sitting here this morning and you may think, you know what? You have no idea what I've done. You have no idea who I've hurt. You have no idea the pain I've gone through, the pain I've endured or the pain I've caused. You know what? You're right. I don't know, but he knows. 
What I do know is that today you can leave here a new you. Not the old you, not the you that walked into this church this morning. You can leave here new. Now I know some of you might have wondered why on earth is she wearing a t-shirt to speak in today? She really should have dressed a little bit nicer. And you know what, normally to stand on this stage and to speak I would have dressed nicer. But this past week as I went through my closet and tried to figure out what I was gonna wear today, I came across this shirt and immediately God said, new you. It's time for a new you, Jessamy. I've come to make things new for you. So today it's not a New York t-shirt. It's my new you t-shirt. God said, Jessamy, I've come to make a new you. I died to make a new you. Tell the people I came to make a new them. I died to make a new them. Tell them I bore the sickness for a new you. I bore the pain for a new you. I bore the disease for a new you. I bore the eating disorder for a new you. I bore the hurt for a new you. I bore the abandonment for a new you. I bore the abuse for a new you. I bore the rape for a new you. I bore the broken marriage for a new you. I bore the marriage that you think is over for a new you. He did it all for you. He bore it all for you. And you can have a new you. The you that walked in here today doesn't have to be the you that walks out. You can leave here today a new you. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.